I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For 12-pack radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, a sharp college football podcast, your source for Pac-12 football news, Pac-12 gambling advice, and the home of the Baderant College Football Statistical Model. It's a bonus episode. It's a bonus episode. And why might you be asking, are you having a bonus episode? It's because there's football this weekend. There's football, live football, almost good football. And I hear you. I hear you talking. Saying, hey, wait a minute. There's no Pac-12 football this weekend. And to that, I say, shut up. <laughs> like, there's football, so we're going to talk about it. And I am joined to do that by Mr. Rob Barron, the the CEO, Grandmaster Guru of Sharp College Football, and the creator of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model. What's going on, Rob? I, I am. Ex- I'm excited for football. This is they're, they're, These are not jump off uh, jump off the page at your games but they are you know they they will be honest to goodness FBS football. Yep, we're not talking Austin P. We're not talking Central Arkansas down in Conway by the way. I don't think I don't know where that that university is. Conway, Arkansas. I uh, know we have we have three games that we're going to cover today um, that are going to happen over the course of the week and of course we have the beta rank uh, model so like rob has been running the model now it's gonna be a little weird it's gonna be a little weird you know there's some players that have checked out of the game um, but we've done our research on every one of these teams and i'm kind of treating week zero slash one one week point five whatever you want to call this rob i'm kind of treating them like bowl games you know for me it's who are the players to look out for you know, what are some cool storylines to keep an eye out for? And of course, you have the advanced stats, so we'll kind of we'll kind of mash them together and uh, and make a beautiful gumbo. We don't really know what we're going to throw in there, but but it'll be something. It'll be edible, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have projections uh, on every team in college football, every uh, offense and defensive unit. So we will be able to, to at least have something to say about these teams. We have a projected point spread for each of these games uh, and win probability, you know, coming into the season, um, you know, from the projection model that we put together. And, and, and that model is, is, you know, based off of your know, returning production, how good you were last season, you know, in beta rank uh, and your recruiting, um, you know, and uh, some, some mashups and, you know, um, variables that we, we we create with interaction variables out of that to, to create the uh, projected beta rank so i'm, I'm excited because there's a lot to there's a lot to, to say out of beta rank about these you know these teams particularly against some of the spreads that we saw um you know these games open up at yeah southern mississippi south alabama starting on thursday we even have, we even have a marquee game we got byu at navy which is pretty fun, and uh, that will be on Monday, and then we'll co- cover one in the middle of there. But let's let's just dive in. Um, SMU, Sunny Dykes. There we go. Now, by the way, there are some transfers from the Pac-12 in the next two games, so that'll be pretty exciting to go through. Um, SMU had a really good year last year, and I think by the end of the year, most of us were focused 
on how awesome LSU was and Trevor Lawrence and Alabama. And like, there were some really fun teams rolling through. And that was right about the time that, that SMU was making a big push for um, a double digit win season. And they hit it. They went 10 and three on the year six and two in the American athletic. And I always remember Rob, I think it was uh, SMU and Houston uh, where it was like prime time, big game. Uh, so it was kind of fun to see Sunny Dykes move from Cal. And like, you know, he's, he was, he was the guy, at the at the networking you know ball and he's shaking your hand and he's looking over your shoulder looking for somebody else to hire him away from cal like that was <laughs> that was him so i've actually met like i will say this i've met sunny dykes in person he is one of the nicest people you will meet in college football like hands down like i and i like there's there there are people that you root for like and and like i always root for sunny dykes because like he is such a nice down to earth person and he recruited Evan Weaver. So you got to give him credit for that. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, and obviously, like, look, Cal had some issues uh, getting players into the school with this, this like, more stringent uh, academic requirements and stuff. I, I get it. I get it. I'm kind of teasing him a little bit here. But um, really turned around the SMU program. They had wins at TCU, Temple, and Tulane last year. Uh, they barely lost to Navy. They barely lost to Memphis. Those are their only two regular season losses. And then they kind of got boat raced by by the Lane train at FAU, uh, lost by about yeah. 20. Um, I think actually Lane had moved on by that point. But, I, you know, and he was there in spirit, Rob. He was there holding up his hands every every touchdown that was scored in spirit. Really, the story here is uh, Shane Bouchelle, who was the Texas transfer. He walks into, uh, into Dallas, and he drops a 3,900-burger 62% completion, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean, like, he really took the reins of that offense, and he should. I mean, Sunny Dykes is known for moving the ball down the field, and he certainly did it. Yeah, absolutely. They they were great last year on offense. They were so great, their offensive coordinator got hired by Miami. <laughs> <laughs> um, trying to get some of that Sunny Dykes magic uh, to, to go along. And, and Dykes is not the play caller here, but uh, they, are, they are running large parts of, of you know, his, his system. Um, and he came up in the air raid, but they were at 33 in beta rank last year uh, on offense, uh, 48 overall. We project them to be at 68 uh, this year uh, overall. Uh, and I think that they certainly have some upside versus that. Uh, they We project Texas State at 129 overall. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's 130 teams, Rob. Uh, That's pretty bad. There are. Who's, there the, are. who's the last uh, one? Is well, it UMass again? UMass. Uh, yeah. UMass. The mass holes. Um, <laughs> So they are at 30. We actually project this offense to be at 33 again uh, for them. They have a new play caller coming in, Garrett Riley. Uh, that is actually Lincoln Riley's little brother. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, is he, he like 60? Recent... <laughs> He's like, he, lo- he looks like, he looks like a. I, I like I've only seen the pictures. I have no idea if he's actually shorter, but he just looks like a smaller version of like Lincoln Riley. Uh, <laughs> he is the. Uh, uh, he was the uh, running back coach at Appalachian State uh, and was likely to going to get their uh, play calling job and then got hired by Dykes to come in and fill this role. It's an interesting fill because, you know, that Appalachian State offense is a run first, you know, dominant, you know, you know, power running game offense to have, you know, Riley coming in with some of those concepts and, and add that perhaps into what Dykes is already doing in the passing game could be really interesting to see. Um, but they were they were good on uh, drive efficiency last season at 34, explosive drives at 38. Really, they didn't they didn't shoot themselves in the foot much. They were at 24 in negative drives. 
Uh, but a big run pass split, number 19, an effective pass, 76, an effective rush. Pro Football Focus really liked what they saw from Bouchelle at, at 28 overall. Uh, where they struggled a little bit, they were at 80 in the offensive line grade. So that's something that they could definitely improve. And that would, I mean, if they could do that, then you could maybe expect them to run the ball more effectively coming into this year. Now, and considering, you know, all things set aside, whether or not the line is actually going to be healthy and show up, they do return four starters. So there is a little bit of a cohesion there. The one thing that was interesting for me is, yes, you know, pass first offense, uh, like, they lose their their top pass catcher, but they do bring back Reggie Robertson, who caught for 803 yards. They bring back uh, Kylan Granson, who is an NFL-type quarterback, and you know what I like about—I'm sorry, NFL-type tight end, and you know what I think about NFL tight ends, Rob. So he oh, caught yeah. for 721 yards and nine touchdowns. So um, two bodies that can definitely go down. And by the way, uh, Reggie Robertson missed the second half of the year, so he had 800 yards and six touchdowns in half a year. So he is going to be a boss in this game. Uh, but it was really the rushing that was interesting for me. So um, God honor Xavier Jones, who rushed for 1,100 yards last year, and Kamon Freeman also uh, is gone. He rushed for 1,500 yards. When I think of Sonny Dykes, I think more of the passing offense, they were able to get it done on the ground. Now, it wasn't as efficient, like you mentioned, but they certainly had a rushing attack. But the thing that worries yeah. me is, you know, you have, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley Jr. <laughs> it's coming onto the uh, scene, and he's going to have to work with um, likely TJ McDaniel, but like not really. Anyway, he doesn't have anybody that's really like established as a running back. So I'm curious to see if, uh, I mean, if there's one team to really start that rush offense against, I assume it's Texas State. So I'm curious to see if they're able, going to be able to move the ball on the ground. Yeah. I mean, it, I will say too, like Dykes hiring even Rhett Lashley, who was their OC. Lashley had spent time uh, at Auburn under Gus Malzahn and another run first offense. So Dykes has been hiring a little bit against the grain for a guy with, a, you know, a big air raid background, um, hiring some guys with more of a run first, uh, you know, background themselves to bring in and spice, spice up his offense a little bit. Which is great. So, um, and he's got the talent. Yeah. Like Bichelle's an NFL, like second round pick. Like that's where they're projecting him right now. So certainly somebody that can get into the league. So he has a weapon there. And yeah, it'd be cool to see if like he's integrating a little bit more of a creative scheme to keep uh, teams on their toes. Yeah, I mean, and if you can be it, I mean, like what we saw with, you know, uh, Tom Herman, what he was able to do at Houston, if you can sit there and pick off, you know, transfers from the, you know, the power five schools in Texas and recruit reasonably well, like you're, you're going to be very competitive. We, we saw that Houston team in person. Um, they had, they looked more like the power five team than Arizona in that game <laughs> from just a pure <laughs> talent on the field perspective, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, Texas State. Wow, they were, they were horrible <laughs> season. They were a horrible college football team. Uh, they uh, they were at 112 on defense last season. We project them at 114, so we do project them to drop off a little bit. Where they were really awful was on drive efficiency. Uh, 123, their teams were able to put together long drives against this defense. Um, they were better at explosive drives, number 81 there, um, but they have a they, they were not good against the rush. They were 116 against the rush, 88 against the pass. This is going to be a long night for them, um, likely against this, you know, Shane Bouchelle, um, you know, led offense with, you know, hopefully guys that don't have as much rust to knock off as, as some of the games we saw earlier. Yeah, for some context, Texas State, 3-9 and nine on the year, 2-6 and six in the Fun Belt. Uh, their wins were over Georgia State, Nickel State, and South Alabama. Um, so, hey, they're better than South Alabama, Rob. So, you know, a step up here for uh, SMU in terms of yeah. their talent. Um, two, two bad things to bury on top of what you just did when you crept all over their defense. Um, 
they only had 13 sacks last year and they lose nine of their top 13 tacklers. They're basically rebuilding their entire front seven. That's a problem. Their secondary is also rebuilding. They do have a good corner, uh, Jerron Morris, who had 63 tackles and seven pass breakups. So uh, one good corner on the team. They do get some interesting transfers here. They have Christian Taylor out of Texas Tech who comes into the secondary and Torrey Spears out of Iowa State. So like you mentioned, you know, trying to bring in those transfers. But oh my goodness, like if you're, if, if Bader Inc. has their pass defense as bad and they're rebuilding like that they, they could, it could be a really long night yeah. um what like well before we go into the defense what is the spread what does Bader Inc. have the spread at and what's the spread in Vegas so it opened at 20 and a half uh for SMU uh and Bader Inc. has it at 23 uh with a 97 percent SMU win probability hey oh hey oh 20 97 percent you're saying there's a chance saying there's a chance here <laughs> I mean there's I mean there like I always like I never go the I never go to one like it it, it I leave it at 99 percent you know we never go past that <laughs> well let's flip over to Texas Texas State's offense um fast 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 Super fast, not efficient. Uh, that was kind of my breakdown of them. Uh, really no ground game or downfield passing. Um, the one thing you mentioned, uh, quarterback transfers, another transfer here for Texas State and Brady McBride, who is a Memphis transfer, uh, three-star prospect who redshirted last year and played sparingly at the time. Uh, their O-line, by the way, really bad at pass protection. So he's really going to have to get it together. But like, I think one of the things that I saw was like, my goodness, they couldn't throw the ball and they couldn't run the ball. So I'm curious. Like what does Bader Rank have this offense ranked at? So they were 126 last year in oh Bader Rank. Um, there are no good numbers to throw out about this offense, <laughs> really. So I mean, 125 in drive efficiency, 123 in explosive drives, you know, 115 uh, in play efficiency. We have them projected actually to take a slight step back on offense, at, uh, dropping to 127. Uh, you know, and it's it's interesting because Tyler Vitt, who was their quarterback for parts of last season, pro football focus kind of liked what they had in him and thought they might be able to take a little bit of a step forward with him there. Um, their offensive line, as you mentioned, was bad. 103 in pro football focus there. I, uh, you know, with I, I'm interested, too, because like they're off their, their head coach is Jake Spadaval, who was a very like but like Kevin Sumlin had. Kingsbury in his first season at AM. Spadaval was his uh, offensive coordinator after that for two seasons, and it mostly worked uh, with him as the OC at AM. Uh, he's a sharp offensive mind. I mean, he he sort of hired, you know, expecting to really, you know, start to get this offense going again. They didn't in his first season last year. You know, if there there is the potential, you know, to for them to make some progress as they learn and understand the system better, uh, you know, and the SMU defense was not great last season. They were, they were, I mean, it's a decent power or a decent group of five defense. There were 73 overall in beta rank. Yeah. I mean, and they, you know, if there's, if you expect spat to be able to show up and throw the football, um, you know, where, where SMU stunk last year was against the pass. They were at 41, an effective rush, 109, an effective pass. That's really where I think, you know, if, if, you know, McBride's able to come in and, and move the football, um, you know, they're going to be able, they should have some opportunities against this SMU defense. And, and we got some Pac-12 transfers here. We got Drew Jackson at wide receiver at a wazoo. He joins Waddell Jones from Wake Forest and Torrey Spears from Iowa State. So I'm going to, I have Torrey Spears down twice. Maybe he, uh, he could be a wide receiver. He could be a safety. I'm pretty sure he's played safety. <laughs> I think I copy and pasted that one. Sorry about that. Uh, but also on the rushing front, Brock Sturgis out of ASU who joins Marquise Brown of Air Force and Jamal Jeter from 
uh, Oklahoma State. So uh, they are doing a good job bringing in some transfers. Be curious to see if we see Jackson or Sturgis. I'm uncertain. Um, I'm assuming they could play right away, which would be pretty fun to see. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned, Rob, in terms of defense when it comes to SMU was uh, just getting lit up in the passing game. They gave up more than 290 passing yards per game. Um, they allowed 500 yards total in five of their last six games. Um, but the one thing that was interesting is they led the nation in sacks, which is crazy town. And when you take a look at the bad, bad, bad pass protection from Texas, now they did bring in a Texas transfer um, from the University of Texas to to be on that offensive line. But man, if your offensive line is bad and you didn't have time to practice, <laughs> like this could be, you know, like yeah. a defensive end, it's like see ball, get ball, right? Like if you're a tackle, I know yeah. there's some scheme, that you, there's something that you have to memorize, but if you're just athletic and, and just bigger than the other team, like I can see a scenario where... Uh, <laughs> This is like a 35 nothing game. Um, I mean, like just all of the things that SMU is strong at, um, Texas State is really, really bad at. Um, the one thing in the kind of the saving grace is can Brady McBride move the ball through the air, but he doesn't really have the talent on the wide receiving front to do it unless some, no. one of the transfers can step up. I, I don't I don't know, man. <laughs> this could be a long day. I mean, the tough thing is, I mean, like, is that, uh, you know, the model has the over here, right? I mean, this is, um, you know, it still projects as a big spread, um, but I don't, it's, it is, it is tough to want to take an over on what could be a sloppy game. Right. Uh, uh, but Texas state was so, so bad. Yeah. I mean, it could be sloppy <laughs> on defense too. Like, I think that's the, that's yeah, the that's problem. True. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to say, do not bet on this game either, um, but I might bet on this yeah. game anyway. <laughs> like, I might just, if there's one game on here where I'm like, yeah, I could see a scenario where this is just a, just a total crap show. Um, it probably is SMU just walking all over Texas State, but it is going to be sloppy and stuff. So, um, and those spreads are pretty big. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, anything else on this game, Rob? No, I would. I think I. I think I'm actually going to take. I'm going to take SMU, and we're gonna we're gonna go over. We're gonna they're gonna they're gonna cover. Let's ride that Dykes band bandwagon, baby. It'll be awesome. Um, all right, let's get to the next game right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. Monday night, Labor Day. Labor Day, game of the year, Rob. BYU against Navy. BYU coming in at 7-6 and six last year, wins at Tennessee. They beat USC at home. They beat Boise State. Um, they beat the Massholes. They beat Liberty, Idaho State, at Utah State. Losses to Utah, Washington, Toledo, South Florida, San Diego State, and then they lost their bowl game to Hawaii. Um, and they take on Navy. And by the way, if you didn't remember, Navy won 11 games last year, <laughs> including their oh, yeah. bowl game, and they went 7-1 in the American Athletic with wins over South Florida, SMU, Houston, and Kansas State, uh, the big ones. Uh, losses, the only two losses to Memphis, and then the infamous Beta Rank game where uh, they they lost to Notre Dame and they got they stopped. They turned the ball over like four times. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like, and then in that, that Memphis game, Malcolm Perry, their just amazing quarterback, got hurt uh, right before halftime. Oh, that'll do it. Um, yep. 
Well, where, where do you want to start? You want to do BYU offense or uh, Navy offense here? Uh, let's do, I mean, so Navy is a slight favorite, uh, even in, uh, even in, uh, Vegas, I think they're a two point favorite, but let me validate that. And like the projection model. So projection models tend to really, really struggle, um, with the service academies because like in a pure rankings perspective, they recruit so poorly compared to other teams uh just as far as like the recruiting rankings go and then they tend to overperform those so this season i actually put in there two factors to try to control for that one of which is i have a coaching development and development variable in there for every program in college football Um, and of course the service academies tend to do very well at the coaching and development Um, but i also have a service academy specific control in there um, to try to project them better. I may have ended up over projecting the midshipmen a little bit, but, um, we have them projected at 17 or no, sorry. They're at 17 last year. This is last year was probably, uh, Niamatololo's best team at Navy, uh, a real big bounce back from where they were the year before. Um, we have them projected coming into this year at 21. That might be a little high just because they were so, so good offensively. Um, the last season with Malcolm Perry at quarterback, and that's going to be hard to replicate. So they were at seven on offense last year on beta rank, number six in drive efficiency, 14 in explosive drives, 11 on play efficiency, uh, 10 on negative drives. They were the number one effect, uh, offense and effective rush last season. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> they, were, they were so, so good running the football, but Perry didn't throw a lot, but he could make you pay when he did. That was one of the things that when, uh, you know, they brought in, um, you know, Perry Olson, who is their backup, you know, in that Memphis game, he was not quite as effective either running the ball or throwing the ball. He's likely, I believe, going to be the starter this year. Um, the offensive line graded out pretty well, 32 in pro football focuses, offensive line, um, you know, rankings. Uh, let me look real quick on how much of Bill Connolly's returning production Navy's got coming back. So they're at 97. They're returning about half, like really 50% of their uh, production on the offensive side of the ball. You could, you could talk yourself into Navy still being a pretty effective offense. I think. Well, they bring back their fullbacks. It's fullback time, fullback time. We have Jamel Crothers (laughs) who had 724 yards, uh, 6.6 yards of carry and 11 touchdowns and fullback Nelson Smith, 571 yards, five yards per carry and seven touchdowns. They also have a fast wide receiver. They didn't, I'm sorry, running back. They didn't use him as much. That's CJ Williams who uh, ran for about 5.3 yards of carry, had about 300 yards on uh, the season. And then when you take a look at their passing game, like you mentioned, you know, Malcolm Perry wasn't, (laughs) wasn't slinging the ball around the field, but if he got you, it mattered. And they still return three big bodies. If you think of an option team, you're not going to have these fast. Think of Stanford, right? You have like the 6'2", 215-pound wide receiver that can also block really well. So you have Michael Cooper, who's 6'5", 220 pounds, <laughs> averaged 21 yards per catch. He only had 18 of them, but he, but when he got it, he made it down the field. Uh, C.J. Williams, also uh, out of the backfield, caught uh, about seven receptions for 30 yards apiece. And then Ryan Mitchell, who's 6'3", 200 pounds, 23 yards per catch. Ca- catch so yeah like again not a ton of receptions but every one of them is like holy crap they threw the ball <laughs> like that every single time yeah they caught the ball that was kind of what happened so you know i'm curious how they match up against uh kalani sataki's defense here you have uh a young defense last year it was really hard for me i watched a lot of byu football last year rob because they played so many pac-12 teams and i really just couldn't figure out um i couldn't figure out the team because you know, they'll beat USC. They get crushed by Washington. Um, 
they have some size. They always have a pretty big defensive line. And um, so what, what did the advanced stats say about their defense, particularly on the uh, rushing side? Yeah, they're, so BYU comes in projected at number 62 overall, um, and we have them projected at number 72 on defense. Uh, they, were, they were a decent group of five defense last season. They were actually at 62 on defense uh, last season. They were at 64 overall last year. Um, you know, and a lot of their metrics are kind of right in that range, 64 in drive efficiency, 68 in explosive drives. You know, their negative drives number is pretty decent at 54. Um, they're, they don't have a big run pass split, so they're at 65 in effective rush, 58 in effective pass. I mean, you'd like to be, I mean, playing Navy, you'd certainly like to be better than that against the run, <laughs> given what Navy's going to bring in split-wise. Um, I, you know, this, this defense, they, they are at 72 in returning production on the defensive side of the ball, I believe. Let me double-check that. 71, returning 62% of the production on defense. Um, their recruiting has been okay i mean they're at 90 in recruiting overall i mean that's part of what's dragging this defensive projection for them down a little bit is they just they byu has not like even by group of five standards they're not one of the best recruiting teams in the group of five um and their their coaching and development number right now sits at 39 i mean they they do develop they do a decent job developing players but they need to start out i mean byu really should be able to recruit better than they've been able to do so I'm I'm interested to see like this this BYU defense had some moments last year. They also had some. I mean, they made Washington look amazing. On <laughs> I mean, some of that was that the BYU offense themselves like really struggled against that very good Washington defense. Um, so you know, Washington had some, um, uh, you know, some really good field position. I would actually want to call out too, so I don't forget. There's actually Navy had a decent special teams unit at 45 last season. BYU was god awful at special teams last year. They were at 120. Oh my! Um, and so I would, there is the, an opportunity here for Navy to have a, you know, to have some sneaky hidden yards, um, you know, in this game that, that end up mattering. What's interesting for me is they have an anchor on their defensive line and a guy named Tonga, 6'4", 321 pounds. He's projected to be a first or second day draft pick in the NFL. Um, but that defensive line really didn't get into the backfield as much as people thought they were going to. So are they going to be able to pressure at all um, and, and really get a push on that line early um, to see if they can mess up any timing? I'm uncertain about that. The one thing to keep a lookout for is, you know, BYU secondary was okay. They do have a deep and talented core at linebacker. Uh, Kavaka Fauna uh, had 83 tackles. They have Chaz Ayu who comes in. Um, Isaiah Kalfisi. Like, and, and there's more people behind them. So I'm. That's the matchup. Is can those linebackers be disciplined and figure out how to defend against the triple option? It, it's interesting for me, Rob. Like, I think that obviously Navy's going to get up and down the field. But the the one thing that I think like if there's one thing that BYU can possibly do, it's these linebackers being able to really play disciplined football. Um, I'm uncertain about the defensive line, but I do think that might be able to happen in the linebacking core. Um, so that's going to be a really, really fascinating matchup, whether or not they're going to be able to take care of business. And what was the, the defensive uh, ranking one more time at beta rank? Um, the, the rushing defense for BYU. Uh, they were at 65 in effective rush last season. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like, like I mean, but like, we're, like we're gonna flip it and talk. Like, I mean, it is in some ways. I mean, Navy doesn't like BYU on offense doesn't excel at throwing the football like uh, Navy does at rushing the ball. But uh, Navy's defense, which was actually by their by for a service academy, very good last season by the by their standards. They actually had a huge split. 
um, an effective rush versus effective pass. So Ooh. it should be, yeah, huge, I mean, huge split. <laughs> well, it, Which let's... is why actually when, when UCLA, UCLA hired the Navy secondary coach to come coach their secondary. And I was just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> of all the, of all the coaches on that right. defense or offense to bring in, you're going to bring in the secondary coach. Hmm. hmm. Uh, that's yeah. interesting. Well, let, let's get into BYU's offense here. So Zach Wilson is the quarterback. He threw for 2,300 yards, 62% completion rate, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And I know that BYU fans were really excited about him and he didn't quite put together the season that they wanted. He was able to rush a little bit, 167 yards on the ground three touchdowns and of course that includes sacks that he took so it did a little bit better on the ground and one one thing that's interesting is Baylor Romney who's like a distant cousin of Mitt Romney is the backup quarterback (laughs) and he's not bad uh, but I don't think he's going to see the field unless there's an injury or COVID hits or something like that Um, they lose their top three receivers and when you take a look at at BYU's passing offense I am the biggest fan of uh, receiving tight ends like I will plant my flag there but, Rob, when your tight end is the top receiver on your team and they caught for 600 yards, probably a bad sign about your passing offense. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's such an interesting offense in a lot of ways because they graded out, a, like, components of this team graded out a lot better on tape than they did in the advanced stats. Um, so they graded out last year at 60 overall. We have them projected at 56 coming into this year. Um, they really just their drive efficiency number is unbelievably bad. I mean, they were so just execution, play calling consistency. They could not put together long drives. They were 120 in drive efficiency last season. Um, they make up for that by being good at explosive drives. Um, so they were at 42 there, decent at play efficiency, 44 there, very good on negative drives. So they actually usually had a plan and they didn't turn the ball over. So they, they usually could avoid three and outs. But just a, a team that basically like could avoid three and outs, put up big plays, but could not put together long drives. Uh, they had a pretty big split. They were at 90 in effective rush, 39 in effective pass. Uh, Pro Football Focus liked Zach Wilson. He was at 46 overall. Uh, you know, for the most part, they liked what they saw out of him. Their offensive line grade, though, and this is the one where it's just like, man, how are they this bad? Uh, they were at 12 in Pro Football Focus's offensive line grades for last season, uh, and they're like seeing them with a like unless you are like zach moss or you know salvan Ahmed, like we talked about uh you know these last couple of years like it really is you know usually the offensive line that drives whether you have an effective running attack and byu being at 90 in effective rush and having you know 120 in drive efficiency i mean jeff grimes is clearly an improvement over what they were doing with ty detmer as offensive coordinator but it gives you just a big pause like man you know, how much was the offensive coordinator and the scheme and the coaching holding these guys back last year? Yeah, my apologies to Matt Bushman, who's the tight end. 700 yards. I said 600. 700 yards, four touchdowns. He was the top receiver for that offense last year. Uh, the offensive line basically returned, so that's a good sign, Rob. Um, yeah. And one thing to keep in mind was it's going to be a bit of a running back uh, by committee, but Sione Fau, uh, who was a, a running back that we're going to see a lot of, is kind of the star of the the monster there. Like 60 carries, 350 uh, yards, and two touchdowns, but he got injured early in November. And I, I recall him actually being pretty talented. Um, so look for him to be healthy and ready to go. Behind him, they have a couple guys that were able to, to get touches last year. Um, 
and, and so I, for me, the story is like, can he get things going and can the passing game uh, get going on that front? I'm curious. So you said that there was a big split in Navy's defense. So wh- where was yes. that split at? So they're, uh, they were at 40 overall in beta rank on defense last season. That's, that's a good group of five defense. That's an incredible service academy defense. It is very hard to put together good defense at the service academies. Um, their drive efficiency was at 40. Uh, you know, where they really excelled was at negative drives at 25. They did force three and outs, um, force you into some turnovers. They were at number eight, eight in effective rush. They were at 92 in effective pass. Oof. So, <laughs> 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 I know. And it's, it's, the, it, you kind of come away from it thinking like, I mean, and I get it. I mean, it is, it is tough for Navy to recruit guys that can go out and cover, um, you know, they're, they're clearly, you're not going to put a corner, you know, a Navy cornerback on an Island out there. Um, that said, I mean, like, as, as you talked about, you know, it is, there's the BYU does bring back a lot on this offense, but like you do want receivers to have some experience in, in the college game running routes, you know, like, you know, understanding how to beat coverage. You're, it's not a bad thing to get a shot to start out against, you know, this Navy team, you know, that, that struggled a little bit, but one thing, I mean, the one thing, and I, like, I don't want to follow it. Like it's a bit of a trope that's very easy to fall into like the service academies, they play smart and they're disciplined, right? Like, I mean, of course, but they, they do. And you expect these guys to show up and play and be prepared. And that could really help given <laughs> the, <laughs> the situation that we are currently find ourselves in, right. That either this Navy defense with having you know a considerable amount of, of production returning, I believe, yeah, they're at 58 on returning production uh, on the on the defensive side of the ball. That's 66% of their production coming back. Um, and Navy Navy really does. They're at uh, number one in coaching and development uh, overall in Baytoring. They really do develop players uh, in Annapolis. Um, I, I I think that this Navy defense will be decent i don't know that they're gonna i think it's gonna be tough for them to put together a top 10 run defense again um, but the fact that they were able to do that at all i think speaks really well what they're i mean I, although i would also say you can flip it around and say like a lot of these guys on this byu team are going to be are a little older <laughs> and are often married and have kids right um they're going to be a little more focused as well <laughs> Than your, yeah. than your than, average. Than your average. It's like an Arizona. Right. I mean, so maybe it's <laughs> not as much of an advantage, right? <laughs> yeah. The, 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 like the, you know, the, 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 uh, the four-star player at ASU who may not be all that focused. Um, what, one of the things I, I'm going to really look at, um, like you mentioned in the advanced stats and this showed up also like in the regular stats was that Navy's, um, rush defense not only was really good at containing the run, but they also were able to put pressure on the quarterback. And yeah. the problem is that BYU has a very good offensive line when it comes to pass protection and protection in general. So, like, it kind of negates that a little bit, which opens up and exposes that secondary. And But the problem is, like, on the flip side, is that, like, not a ton of talent on paper yet, uh, or at least proven talent at BYU in regards of actually passing that ball. Um, but I want to see if Navy can get to the quarterback and if they can get into the backfield with their front seven they lose their uh starting defensive tackle which is a problem one player really to look out for who's super super fun to watch is diego fago who is uh, a nfl talent at linebacker at navy rob they have an nfl prospect on the, and he is freaking 
fast, legit sideline to sideline speed. He had 100 tackles, 12 tackles for a loss, and seven quarterback hurries, a pick six, and two forced fumbles. Um, but it's not just the fact that he can get into the backfield. It's the fact that he could run sideline to sideline. And uh, it's like very, very rare to have a, de- a defensive NFL prospect. So keep a lookout for him. He is quite good, and he's going to um, probably cause some problems here. Um, and a defense that was the best in the conference last year for Navy. Yeah, and uh, I think it is interesting when you, we talk about how good that BYU offensive line was. I mean, that really, when you when you get break it down and look at Zach Wilson, like he he often made bad decisions when not under pressure. Um, <laughs> and so, if Navy is able to you know add some pressure into the mix and get to him, you know, a bit, that's really going to change the dynamic there because these wide receivers, you know, are not necessarily. Um, you know, going to be that. I, w- I would expect these these BYU wide receivers to to struggle a little bit and not be that crisp, given the lack of game experience that they are bringing back. Um, so it is that that would definitely. This, it's interesting because this game moved from being it opened as a Navy a three point favorite. It's down to even. I can see that. I mean, like the, it's just I, I like when. Well, I like betting on games where there's a big disparity between like a pass defense and a pass offense. Um, but I like watching games <laughs> that have uh, strength on strength or weakness on weakness, like where it's just this kind of funky back and forth and like can right. So BYU's pass yeah. offense is okay, and but be like Navy's pass defense is kind of terrible. Um, so what can BYU do to scheme around that? I always just find that kind of stuff fascinating. So if it's even. Um, I got to go with the service Academy just because like triple option is always a pain in the neck. doesn't matter how much you prepare for it. And then you're there and you get chop blocked and all that stuff. Um, I'm definitely yeah. not betting on this game, but I'm going to watch the whole thing. I think this is a really fascinating game and I'm really excited that it's like week one and we have like a, a pretty decent matchup. Yeah. And I mean, I would also say too, I mean, Perry, Perry Olson who struggled last year, uh, you know, filling in for Perry, he was a freshman. Uh, and so you expect some growth out of him. Uh, you know, and understanding the offense and being able to execute. I think it's going to be tough. I mean, Perry's one of the best option quarterbacks we've seen in the last 20 years in college football. Uh, so, but I, I, well, I don't necessarily expect Navy to put up a top 10 offense again. I do think that like where we have them projected at number 18 is not totally unreasonable for what they bring back. I mean, they may have some downside, but I think their downside is still going to be good i mean they might be a top 25 you know top 30 offense in college football this year that's going to likely be enough in this game i think in particular if that special teams advantage holes with some hidden yards um but in a game this close one turnover could really turn this game uh too so i i I mean i'm the the beta rank bottle which you could argue i think is and i think rightly so maybe over projecting navy a little bit at 21 has navy with an 82 percent win probability and 11 points um, as a favorite, I think it's probably closer to where it opened up at three. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go with the middies. Okay. Thursday, Rob, Southern Mississippi, who was seven and six. They went to a bowl last year. They went to a bowl. Uh, they played Tulane. They lost 30 to 13 in said bowl, but they still made one. Um, so an above 500 team takes on South Alabama who may or may not be good, but they play in the fun belt. And, and that's all I care about, Rob. We got a fun belt team and we got Southern Mississippi, the uh, alma mater of Brett Favre. And, uh, you know, t- taking a look at these these teams here, obviously Southern Mississippi is going to be the favorite. Um, but, you know, you took a look at this matchup. It's their first one. It's kind of the appetizer. What uh, what say you about the game? Yeah, this is an interesting one. So Beta Rank had uh... – Baterink has this game. Uh, South Alabama comes into the season projected at 110 overall. 
Uh, they finished last season at 116, so we are projecting some small improvement from South Alabama. That's exciting. Southern Miss, yeah, I mean, Southern Miss comes in at projected at 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, and then they finished at, at 73. Uh, so you could tell, of course, Southern Miss, you know, being at home and, uh, you know, being a favorite of the model. We've only got it, though, at about a you know, at an 84% win probability for Southern Miss in this game, uh, a little under 12 points as a favorite, 11.89. And uh, it's it's a little different because they uh, Southern Miss opened uh, as a 14-point favorite in this game, which I found a little surprising given that Southern Miss had had uh, some opt-outs uh, coming into this. Yeah, so Jacques Turner, uh, Raheem Booth. Uh, the Jacques Turner is the defensive end. Uh, Raheem Booth, the linebacker who missed four games last year but still had 50 tackles, <laughs> like so, kind of a boss. Um, they have opted out of the game, and I mean, this is going to be a reoccurring theme, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna go yeah. into the game, and then we're gonna find out. Like luckily on these ones, we found out earlier, but we're gonna find out the day of or day before that. Oh, oh, the starting quarterback isn't gonna be playing for this team. Uh, so just kind of keep that in mind as we go through and we start previewing some of these games. I think one of the stories for me for Southern Mississippi and them coming in at a, at a 14 point favorite um is the the play of their quarterback jack abraham so um 19 touchdowns 15 interceptions um the team actually itself had 26 total turnovers last year they have to be able to control the ball now abraham will throw well he's 68 percent completion rate but the fact that he's throwing that that completion rate might include the interceptions to other teams i'm not certain rob that's a pretty high (laughs) percentage but um that that was the thing that stood out right away you know when, when you're looking at southern miss the passing game can be up and down um in the running game they only averaged three and a half yards uh last year and uh, they're, they're actually trying to fill in some of those running back spots. How, how was the Southern Miss offense from an advanced st- uh, statistical perspective? They were very bad. I mean, that, that's why in particular those defensive uh, opt-outs and, and transfers really hurt because Southern Miss was a defense-first team last season. Uh, so last season they finished out at 96 uh, on offense and beta rank. We actually project them to get a little bit worse. Uh, we project them at 103 uh, in beta rank on offense coming into this season. Um, the, a lot of that comes from, uh, they just don't have a, a tremendous amount of returning production, uh, coming back on offense. Um, you know, comparatively they're, I mean, they're at 49, so it's not overwhelming. They're at 79 in, in recruiting, um, really. So they're, we're not really projecting them to take a big step forward. Abraham pro football focus really liked what they saw out of him last season. They had him graded at, at, at number 48 overall. I mean, I say really liked, I mean, that's. <laughs> he's above the Mendoza line. Like he's, a, he's, he's, he's above the middle of where they graded out quarterbacks last year, but you're right. I mean, just too, too many turnovers. Uh, they were at one Oh eight and negative drives in beta rank last year. I mean, that, that, that negative drives controls for bad things. The offense does turnovers, three and outs, that kind of thing. Take a look at um, them. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but they're, you're dead on. I mean, they, they, they were one twenty four at effective rush 45 and effective pass. Um, I mean, just, just, I mean, a huge split there. So it's going to be all on, on Abraham and, and their offensive line only graded out at 95 in pro football focus. And I mean, I don't know that they're going to get a lot better running the football. Yeah. And they gave up a ton of tackles for a loss, that offensive line. So a lot of them return and they were okay in packs protection, but a lot of tackles behind that, uh, <laughs> behind them. You don't want, you don't want your defense, your offensive line looking behind them. That's never a good sign when, uh, when you see that. Hey, one player on the offense to keep a lookout for is Tim Jones. Um, he was the, the number two banana on their passing. Like it wasn't as if they couldn't pe- put up yards. They were able to pass 
and get the ball down the field. They just happen to throw it to the other team oftentimes. Um, they actually had a wide receiver go to the NFL, and the number two banana was Tim Jones, um, who's a 6'1", 200-pound wide receiver. He returns. He was the number two uh, receiving threat last year, and he had 73 receptions and 900 yards. So I think one of the things that I'm going to keep a lookout for is can Jack Abraham throw to Tim Jones like just over and over and over and over? Like I can see a scenario where he has 150 yards and like two touchdowns of South Alabama secondary can't get their act together. But, um, you know, Southern Miss hasn't been able to move the football. So um, I think that that opens up a little bit more of an aggressive scheme if you're South Alabama. I mean, they don't really have a lot of the talent, but, um, you know, if Southern Miss is still averaging three and a half yards a carry, um, I think they can do some more funky things with their safeties and maybe like just put some pressure on those wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, if you're not worried about them running the football much, it definitely opens up what you can do and you can, you know, move some guys off of the line of scrimmage for sure. If you're able to control the run really effectively with your defensive line, that that does clean things up a little bit and allow you to focus on the pass. Uh, You know, they were at 89 uh, on defense last year at beta rank. We actually project them at 113. Some of that is that they don't recruit particularly well, grading out at 114 in their rolling recruiting ranking. Uh, They don't have a ton coming back on this side of the ball either. I would say that 113, though, versus that 89, there's definitely a little room for upside here where they they were reasonably well coached last year. Their drive efficiency at number 95 and number 83 in explosive drives, they really were able to, compared to the rest of their numbers, you know, able to to control things pretty well, uh, keep teams from putting up long drives. Um, you know, contain explosive drives. And then their play efficiency was pretty good, you know, controlling yards for play. But they're not bad, I mean, comparatively to their other numbers. 93, an effective pass, 86, an effective rush. I mean, nothing really stands out as a major hole there. Uh, they could have, like, they what they will, what will be the telling thing in this game is, is their offense able to keep them out of field position holes? Because even an ineffective, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Southern Miss offense, with good field position is going to put up points. Yeah. Well, one quick, before we flip sides here and go South Alabama offense, Southern Miss defense, what are the splits in the pass ranking or the pass defense ranking and the run defense ranking for South Alabama, particularly that pass? Like I'm curious to see how, how good that secondary was against uh, what should be like an okay um, passing attack from the golden Eagles. So they're at 86 in effective rush, 93 in effective pass. Mm. Um, that's not, I mean, like if you're a if you're a South Alabama fan or looking to to you know wager on them, um, that's not necessarily what you would want to see that would give you a lot of faith, right? That you know they 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 didn't just have some very bad run defense that got them into this. They were they were pretty bad at both. Well, let's flip the script here. Let's go to South Alabama. Two and ten on the year. Uh, oh and seven in the fun belt. Oh and seven in the fun belt last year in 2019 with wins over Jackson state and Arkansas state at the end of the year, kind of that jump up and surprise you, bite you in the heels. Um, and that can happen sometimes when you're running the triple op- option. Um, their offense last year was pretty atrocious. They averaged 18 and a half points per game on third down completions. They were, they completed 31% of those. So not the most efficient. I mean, that screams terrible, terrible inefficiency. That was, they're actually 124th in the country on third down completions. Um, Their passing game sucked, but you know, like whatever, it's a triple option. With that said though, 14 touchdowns, 11 picks. 
Um, but the one thing that was, if, if you're a South Alabama fan, that was interesting was they actually flipped their quarterbacks in the middle of the year and they brought in Desmond Trotter, who um, threw for 800 yards. And, and here's really the key stat. It was eight touchdowns, two interceptions. So he wasn't turning the ball over as much as the other quarterbacks were, um, but still a 51% completion rate. Kind of crappy, Rob. But at the end of the day, the story really is the rushing here. Yeah, I mean, they're even with a, a triple option quarterback, you don't want to be where they were throwing the football last season. But they were at 123 in beta rank on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, we're projecting them at 119, so some improvement there. <laughs> Not much. Um, they uh, last season they were they did grade out best of their metrics at, at drive efficiency. So putting together you know longer drives to put up points. Um, 113 in explosive drives, just not a very explosive offense. Negative drives, too many three and outs, 125 there. Um, 68 in effective rush, 119 in effective pass. And this this is going to – I am really interested to see this matchup um, because it actually turns out that Southern Miss is exceptional against the run. Um, and we'll see how that holds up with without their best defensive lineman and best linebacker. <laughs> Uh, what was the number for Southern Miss's uh, defense uh, ranking? Uh, so they were Russia? 48 last season in oh, beta rank. Okay. Um, they were, uh, we project them at number 59. So a little bit of regression uh, coming into this year. Uh, they were good at drive efficiency, number 41 there. Uh, their worst metric was play efficiency. So they could give up some yards per play controlling for opponent and, and field position. Uh, they're, another good metric for them is uh, negative drives, number 32. They forced a lot of three and outs. Uh, they have a huge, huge run pass split. One of the biggest I've maybe ever seen. Uh, number 11, an effective rush. Number 105, an effective pass. So very, very good run defense uh, in Hattiesburg and no pass coverage. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably won't matter, right? I mean, there is a scenario where you have uh, Trotter that maybe has a little bit more uh, juice in him passing the ball down the field, particularly if the secondary sucks for Southern Miss. So that's something to keep a lookout for. Uh, one item to mention is that they uh, South Alabama loses their top rusher. So Trey Minter was a thousand plus yard rusher. He's gone, uh, but they do return most of their offensive line. So look for, you know, an, a, a pretty okay, all things considered, um, rushing game but a pretty crappy triple option <laughs> compared to all the other triple yeah. options in the country right like i think i thought the purpose rob of doing the triple option is to not be the 124th best offense in the country no i mean you would think right and i mean i would say i mean if there's a couple things that you might say kind of lean in south alabama's favor as far as at least the point spread goes um is that if you saw that central arkansas game these teams have not really had a, enough time to practice and like the route running and the timing between the quarterbacks and receivers was not there. Uh, and so that, that Southern Miss offense may not, may have some of those same struggles as they attempt to throw the ball. Uh, and another thing, I mean, stopping the triple option is not necessarily the same thing as stopping a conventional, you know, zone or man run scheme. Um, so it'll be a little different and they may not have had a time, enough time to prep for that. So I, I'm going to say that I fully expect, uh, you know, Southern Miss still to win this football game, yeah. barring you know, like South Alabama is going to need like two turnovers to win. And do not, do not gamble on this game. Like do do don't no. do not do, do that. Not gamble on this game, <laughs> please, please don't. You know, you know, we know nothing. We know nearly nothing about. I mean, despite the fact that we're previewing away at, and we're talking about things that we know, the amount we don't know. 
about about these teams and what this is going to look like is immense. Oh, for sure. And like one of the things that is always interesting for us when we're doing game previews is usually we're doing out of conference teams for a bowl game. And that's different, right? Because we've we've seen eleven or twelve games of each team. We kind of know what they are at this point. And I always feel uncomfortable doing non-conference games at the beginning of the season, although it is interesting for storylines and stuff, right? Like I think it'd be really fun if like Tim Jones like caught seven receptions for 150 yards. That'd be really fun. Like that is that is like the one thing that I will be looking for um, to bring a little bit of joy in my life on a Thursday night, <laughs> you know, on ESPN. Um, yeah. But like, I do think it'll be interesting, right? Like it is that a pretty good rush defense. Like at some point I would actually, particularly if we have teams that aren't practicing as much, I would normally give the, um, I would normally give that advantage to the, the team that has a better rushing attack. And on paper, yeah. it's kind of South Alabama. But the problem is, like, the rush defense is pretty darn good at Southern Miss. So that yeah. almost, like, negates it. So um, I um, – if, like, if we were playing, a, you know, a pick em, like, for fun on Yahoo Sports, I probably would take – I would take Southern Miss um, and, and give the 14, but do not gamble on this game. So that, I, I know, where, where are you at, Rob? What, by the way, what does Bader Inc. have the, the spread at? They have it. Better Rank has it at eleven point eight nine. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm gonna go with this game being closer than the fourteen points. I will take South Alabama. That's probably smart. We we probably just take the dogs all year and go like eighty percent against the spread. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we have plenty more games, hopefully, knock on wood, but hopefully we will have plenty more games to cover. <laughs> we already lost one game off this week, right? There was supposed to be a fourth game. <laughs> Made our prep easy. I was like, you sent me the text of four, and I'm like, all right, I got it. And then one of them, like, was in, it's kind of like horse racing. I've been betting on a lot of horses, and, like, you know, on, like, the lower card, uh, uh, you know, uh, the lower cards, like, three horses immediately get scratched every time the race starts. So it kind of reminded me of that. I'm like, ah, one of the lower horses got knocked out of the game. Um, but, yeah, so three this week. We will. Um, I think we'll we'll keep our, our eye on some of these games. We were looking forward to week. Was it one point five? What would you call it next? The week two, right? Kind of. Next ne- week is. I mean, this is week one okay. or week zero. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we'll call this week one. Week two will be next week. And there were some some decent games just to kind of give people a taste for what's on the what's on the docket. What were some of those games that you saw? Oh yeah, I'm, the games that I am most excited for. I am excited for UAB at Miami on Thursday. That should be pretty fun. UAB was decent last year in Beta Rank. Um, they're they're a team to watch. Uh, Clemson Wake Forest will not be good, but Louisiana at Iowa State that should be a fun game. Uh, absolutely, that Louisiana team last year. We 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 did it. We actually did. I did. I specifically did a preview video on Louisiana because I think they're a team to watch. I think they're going to be beat their uh, Beta Rink projection. They were very good last year under Billy Napier. They have a dominant run offense. That's going to be fun to see them take on that uh, Iowa State three three five. Um, that tight front that Iowa State runs to try to control the run. Um, Brock Purdy at Iowa State uh, should be fun in that game. I would watch Georgia Tech at Florida State just to see where maybe Mike Norvell, what that, what they look like in a shortened off season with Mike Norvell. 
<laughs> as the new head coach. Western Kentucky, Louisville should be fun. Keep an eye out. Clayton White, the defensive coordinator at Western Kentucky, has a pretty good group of five uh, defense going for the Hilltoppers. Louisville's uh, resurgence last year was mostly a product of a bad ACC, though that offense did take a step forward under Scott Satterfeld. It'll be fun to watch that Louisville offense against that Western Kentucky defense. Flip it around, though. Louisville has a, had a bad bad defense last year and Western Kentucky had a, an okay offense. So that, that could actually be a really fun game. SMU at TCU is then the other one that I would definitely keep an eye on. That should be a fun game to watch. Hey, one quick question. So obviously like you can hear Rob's been previewing every uh, group of five and uh, power five conference team uh, throughout the off season. So you can find all those on our website, sharpcollegefootball.com and particularly on our YouTube channel, uh, sharp college football, make sure to follow him um, and subscribe. And I know you're doing some cool stuff. Is it this weekend or next weekend? What, what do you got going uh, on Saturday as some of these games are going on? Yeah. So uh, if you tune in on and check out our Periscope, um, uh, we're going to join with uh, a friend of mine, uh, Stats of War. Um, he's he's a he's a PhD student in economics. I'm a my background's in economics. We're going to try to get together and do halftime shows for the South Alabama game uh, on Thursday, and then the Navy game. Navy BYU game on Monday. We'll, nice. do a, we'll do a halftime show where we're talking about advanced stats. Cool. Well, and, and check check out the Twitter account. We'll tweet it out there, which is uh, Sharp College CFB. Um, and, of course, I'll retweet it out at 12-Pack Radio. But very excited to have actual football uh, stick with us. We're going to continue rolling through the offseason. We had Mike Yam on last week, um, and we're going to next week uh, bring on another guest. So we're going to continue to bring on new voices that can talk about college football in a way that is very fun. So stay tuned, and we will catch you next week.